Welcome back to the Strength and Speed Podcast. I'm your host, Strength and Speed owner and Conquer the Gauntlet Pro, Evan Preparis. I have another all Conquer the Gauntlet Pro team episode coming at right at you. Let's uh, jump right into it. So joining me, I have Jenny Overstreet. Jenny, say hi. hi. Yeah. Hi, guys. You know, so Jenny's a trainer at ROKC, or fitness director, I guess I should say, and basically yeah. wins everything that comes to Kansas City area. So any OCR or trail race type stuff, she, come, she comes and wins. And then um, it's been on a couple of Conquer the Gauntlet podiums this year. Also joining me, I have uh, Miranda Huber. So Miranda, say hi. Hello. Uh, Miranda's got 10 OCR podiums in the elite category, and she's won a Savage, won a Terrain, won a uh, Conquer the Gauntlet. She re- this year, she won Conquer the Gauntlet and con- Continuum, Conquer the Gauntlet Continuum, the multi-lab option. In the same race, she's brand new to the Conquer the Gauntlet Pro team. So, yeah. Welcome, Miranda. Thanks. Oh, and, and of course, I forgot to mention the uh, second place at the 3K at 2019 North American OCR Championships, 25 to 29 age group. Sorry. So, uh, it's a pretty big deal there and was first behind another pro, uh, Amy Padgett. All right. Let's jump into today's episode because we're recording late and by late i mean it's like 8 30 and uh <laughs> getting close to my bedtime <laughs> so um and i keep bringing jenny on the podcast and i keep saying all right we're going to talk about inside tracker and then at the very end of the episode i completely forgot and we we blow through time so we're going to start off uh this episode is brought to you by inside tracker and we're going to start off talking about them and then we're going to talk about some of the races that have been going on in 2020 and how we've been dealing with a lull in OCR this year and um, some of Conquer the Gauntlet's new obstacles and stuff like that. So let's start off. Jenny, tell me about Inside Tracker and kind of your experience with them. Okay. Um, yeah, I'll go through kind of the whole process of what I went through. Um, and also, really... also what it is, because some people may be confused. Oh, okay. Yeah. So Inside Tracker is a company that um, essentially an, does an analysis on your blood work and um, gives you feedback on um, from as an athletic like point of view, things you can improve on or areas that you might be lacking or um, mainly like nutritional type needs. Um, so it's a super simple process. Um, I was able to just fill out some information online. They sent me a list of different labs that I could go to around the city to get my blood drawn and did that. And then they had to send it off um, to Inside Tracker, who did their analysis and then just sent me a full um, email showing all of my blood work that they had gone through. And it was really simple. I sent it back like the the analysis that you get is really easy to read and understand. It and even goes into different, uh, mainly the nutritional tips that um, different things you can add into your diet to improve anything that you're lacking. Um, talks about like stress and sleep and inflammation and different things like that. So um, it was super cool. Like maybe even two weeks at most, like the whole process from start to finish. Um, And actually even, I think the lab that I went to had to mail it and some of them can even just do the the work there and then send them the results so it can be even faster than that. So it's a very cool product for sure. Yeah, I I was blown away by how easy it was to understand and read. And uh, the cool thing is if you end up getting multiple tests, it'll, like on the graphs, it'll show where your last test was. So you don't have to like, 
go back and reference the other one. Like it shows them both on the same graph. So you're like, Oh, I improved here or I, I got worse here. And you know, or maybe the changes oh, yeah. I'm making in my lifestyle have, 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 are working. Yeah, that's very cool. I've only done the one so far, so it will be nice to see. And I think it would also kind of be cool to see a difference between like a, a race season one and an off season one to see kind of how your body's responding to training modes and everything too. Yeah, absolutely. And I think with, you know, for Christmas and for birthdays and stuff like that, the, you know, I feel like there's a point where like I have, I have too much stuff. Like I don't need any more stuff sometimes it feels like. So I think this is a great option if you have an athlete in your life who, you know, wants something that's athlete related, but that's not necessarily, you know, more things uh, to keep around yeah. the house or the apartment, whatever, whatever it may be. So I think it's a really good option. And there's, I know there's multiple price points um, where, you know, you can do all of your essentially Christmas shopping or possibly all of your shopping for the year for someone uh, in one of their packages where they, you end up getting like multiple tests. So, yeah, that's a great idea. So what did you personally find out about yourself that, um, you know, whether it be confirmation of things doing right or, you know, identification of things doing wrong for your own training? Yeah. Um, so I, one of the main things that I had, which is a pretty common thing, especially with female athletes is my ferritin level was a little bit low. So um, I did actually end up going to my doctor and just like discussing some things about that and um, just decided to go ahead and start supplementing with some iron supplements to help with that. And then also, um, I don't know if I'm getting too geeking out on this a little bit too much, but getting into um, certain things that add into my diet to help my body absorb the ferritin level or a little bit more like vitamin C and things like that. So um I mean, that's pretty huge from an athlete perspective as far as like energy and, um, and all that. So it was, it was good to know and good for me to make some changes with. So that was the main thing. Yeah, that's, that's really good information. I, when I took my first one, it basically told me, I, I did it during race season. It was like, you're overtraining. And I'm like, I, I know, <laughs> I know I'm overtraining. <laughs> yeah. But, but it, yeah. it was cool to see it on paper, right? Cause like, you know, some days you wake up and I'm like, nah, you know, I really don't feel like running. And it was cool to get like, you know, it's not just me being weak and uh, not wanting to run. It was like, oh, my body actually is showing me that I, I shouldn't be running right now. Um, so that was, yeah. it was a nice confirmation and um, reminds me to listen to my body. And, you know, I can't just override uh, my body at all times. So. Yeah, very cool. Cool. So let's start getting into 2020, right? So 2020, you know, there's been so many canceled races and, you know, I'm waiting to the end of the year to make a Facebook post about this, but as it stands now, if all the races that are on the schedule go, I think the brand that will have the most number of races, I believe is Savage. And I think it's going to be eight for the year. Um, then tied with five, it will be Spartan race. Also tied with them is Conquer the Gauntlet uh, with five. And then four races or four events would be Casey Timber Challenge, which is, <laughs> which is insane. This like local brand is going to be like one of, the, one of the brands that held the most number of events in 2020. You know? And then there's brands like um, that, you know, Warrior Dash obviously is no longer in business. Tough Mudder held zero events this year. Um, I know Mark Ballas has held a couple of events, but we're talking OCR and 
some of the events he's holding are wicked uh, trail races. So they're like extreme trail races or like a ruck, uh, essentially a ruck race. So I know he's got a couple left for this year. So that's pretty wild that uh, that's what the season's shaking out to be. I mean, I, I, mean, I, th- I think if you showed me those numbers a year ago even, I would be like, there's no way that is a good prediction, right? Like that is a, that is a terrible bet to take. Uh, but yeah, there it is. And were all of Spartans prior to COVID or have that, they had? It, so they did two. I think they did one or two after. I know they did Jacksonville. Um, I think it might've done one more, but they weren't, okay. I, I'm tracking the Jacksonville one wasn't competitive. Like they, they, um, Oh, it was right. like, it was yeah. like just the open heats and you know, you time yourself for fun essentially. Yep. Um, and no spectators and all that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The, I mean, they have held other things, right? Like they have done, you know, hurricane heats, uh, which I wouldn't consider OCR, but there are a form of uh, events. You know, they have had that, uh, they did that Spartan Games where they invited all those uh, top tier athletes up to like Joe DeSantis Farm up in the mm-hmm. Northeast and had him compete in a whole bunch of different uh, exercises. So I'm looking forward to when that actually publishes. They're doing like a couple like mini episodes that'll be posted online about that, which should be really interesting. Um, on a side note, I'm putting my money on Hunter McIntyre, um, <laughs> yeah. because a lot of it's like strength and endurance. And I think he has a really good mix. Uh, and, uh, Ryan Atkins, I put him, uh, up there too, right? Like those are probably one yeah. and two. And then, um, I'd say the other OCR people, and then probably then the, some of the sh- strength, more the strength based athletes towards the bottom, because, you know, a couple of the events were like five hours of trail running or like <laughs> six yeah. hours of swimming, you know, it was just like the football player is not going to do well there. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. All right, It'll so be interesting. See. Yeah. Let's talk 2020 events. Uh, start off with Conquer the Gauntlet. Uh, Miranda, take us through uh, your experience with uh, Conquer the Gauntlet. And I know they debuted a new obstacle this year. So we'll talk about that too. Uh, so I've done three so far this year. I did the Oklahoma event, the Little Rock, Arkansas, and then just this past weekend was the Dallas, Texas. So this year has been a little bit different for the last two events specifically. They weren't, I heard they weren't allowed to dig any water pits underneath of obstacles. They weren't allowed for insurance reasons. They couldn't have any like stagnant water. So there was no stairway to heaven at the last two, which it just it felt different. And then also the cliffhanger, the monkey bar obstacle was also not over water. So it was like the same length as it usually would be, except it wasn't as tall because they just had it over the ground. So it really made it easier because you didn't really have to get a big swing to go up to the next monkey bar. They were much like flatter. Um, so it's just kind of a different experience, and I felt like the last two races were easier. Now, now, Pegatron was still a big topic of discussion and still took a lot of people out, as it always does, because that one doesn't make a difference. Um, you know, normally it's not over water. Even if it is, it doesn't really get wet or anything. Um, but I felt like these two races were a lot easier. Um, but maybe I'm just training more, so <laughs> sometimes it's hard to tell. Yeah. I mean, well, if stairway is not in the race, I mean, that takes out a, cause that's a lot of upper body strength to get up and down stairway. And, you know, as that's like CTG's signature obstacle, you know, they've other, they've other ones that are really good too, but um, it's, 
I don't know. It would just feel wrong. I feel like if stairway wasn't there, but yeah, I can't even imagine it it without stairway. (laughs) Like I'm trying to picture what that's like. So if, um, I don't think either of you were there, but the, um, they did a race in Texas. Um, was it 2018 maybe or 2017? It had to be 2017 because it was the same year as US OCR championships in Texas, same location. And it was, um, it was like CTG light, I called it, because they didn't have like all their normal obstacles. They still had stairway, um, but like the rig was, um, since they built it on part of the structure of the ranch. So it wasn't, it was only, it was like two mini rigs that were only like three or four holds long. Um, instead of like the one, you know, whatever, six-hold rig uh, with more challenging obstacles, more challenging holds. But, yeah, that's interesting. So, yeah, you mentioned Pegatron. Now, I know like it's always a topic of discussion because it's super hard. Um, what's your, you know, how have you been able to get across that obstacle? Because I know not only does it stop females uh, in their race, but it also stops men uh, quite often too. Uh, so in the past, they had the block in the middle for the women. So really never had a problem with that. And when they had the block previously, they also didn't have any rules against like wrapping your legs around the back. So it was really pretty easy for me. I mean, I would just wrap my legs around the back on the start, get my arms out a couple, you know, pegs worth, and then I would be able to just let my leg get, legs go and stand on the block. So them removing that really i mean it it did what it needed to do it made it so that you actually had to do the obstacle as it was intended um and i think i failed after they removed the block it was right after i had my daughter in 2017 um and i fit that was the first time i ever like didn't complete all the obstacles at an ocr and this is only my second year running competitively um, but yeah, without the block just makes it so much harder. Um, but I think that it, I mean, it serves the purpose. It, um, otherwise it's just, like I said, you could just get away with not even having to do a single peg without your feet. Yeah. So how have you been, you know, you said you failed the first time. How did you go from failure to, uh, success so many times? Like, what did you do for your training? Uh, so I think I think some you know serious OCR people what they do, and I'm I'm not I'm one of these people. I like to build it because I want to practice it or go somewhere that has it. You know I want to. Um, I watched one of your videos recently, Evan, about practicing for the Z beam, and you built the obstacle something similar to practice in the yard. And you talked about those. I don't know if you remember the three points that you made were. Uh, do you do you remember what those three points were that you highlighted? I, I don't. In that I, video. Okay. I, I I just tagged my uh my team my former <laughs> teammate from Toughest Mudder Akash Garg because he got stuck at it at yeah. the uh, this past weekend. Um, but I only watched the beginning of the video just to make sure it was the correct one, and then I didn't end up watching the end. What did I say? Okay, so that's why I watched the video because it was like a 2016 video or something. But I saw you tagged him in it, so it showed up in my news feed. So I. I watched it because I hadn't seen that one before. Um, but basically what I did is I built a Pegatron in the backyard. Not I, I just built a pegboard 
and I have a climbing wall in the backyard. So on the brace beam to the climbing wall, I put it diagonal up because um, that's the way the climbing wall goes. So it's something repeatable, like I and I can simulate race conditions because it's the obstacle. I mean, it's a pegboard, but it's harder than the one at the race because it's angled up at like a 45 degree angle. So at the race, you're just going straight across. It's pretty easy just to kind of swing and go forward. The one in my backyard is you have to like muscle up and pull up to get up to the next peg. So training on something that's harder than what I actually experience in the race makes race day seem so much easier because I've, I've done it something even harder than what's out there. Yeah, that's a great technique. I approve, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Jenny? How have you managed to uh, get across Pegatron and your, what's your, been your training techniques? Um, so I definitely agree with, um, making things a little more challenging than they actually are in the race, because I think you're probably never going to really be able to like push yourself as hard as you are during a race too, and have that high heart rate and, um, it to be as challenging. So making it harder in practice definitely benefits you in racing. Um, I, you know, there's a local ninja gym here, Apex that has a pegboard that I've used in the past. Um, but I haven't really been using that lately um, with COVID stuff and then gyms all being shut down. Um, I have that atomic uh, ninja board that has the little pegs on it. And even though you can't like go across it as far as you would like on Pegatron, Pegatron, I think like the huge thing is honestly just being able to hang from one arm, <laughs> like having that one arm hang strength helps tremendously on Pegatron. So it's good. It's just, I mean, yes, there's technique to it and technique will make you go faster, but if you can hold on, you can, you can complete it typically. So that's the main thing. Yeah. Also good advice. I have that ninja board too. It's in my backyard. Uh, so if anyone wants to sneak into my house or sneak to my house, they can just start climbing on it and use it. But I haven't caught anyone doing that yet. But for that one, I, I basically re go from uh, end to end. So I'll go, you know, move to the right bring my next one, uh, bring both pegs to the right, then move all the way to the left, uh, you know, the next peg all the way to the left. Cause you know, there's holes all over it, but I like this, like you, you know, I want to simulate the big movements I'm making during the race. And um, Miranda, you brought up a good point with the upward angle one. I think that also teaches good habits because if I'm higher on the pegboard at Pegatron, when I mess up, I can always go down a rung. I can always go down a level. Versus if I'm at the bottom level and I'm going across the bottom set of holes, like if I mess up, I just, I fall off, right? There's, you don't have any, you don't have any play room there. So I think that's teaching good habits. Yeah. So something I, I didn't highlight either is like, there was one race where I wanted to try a new technique that I had seen, but I didn't feel comfortable doing it like for an actual elite wave race. So after the event, I went and played on it for an hour uh, just to try different techniques. So even if you don't have it in the backyard or don't have a, you know, atomic board that you can use, you can, you can always play around on race day, assuming you have any grip left after doing the race once. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Doug Snyder from the pro team also usually posts video of him doing a bunch of Spartans obstacles and like two moves uh, like Twister and some of the other stuff, which is pretty impressive. And I know a lot of like Ashley's crew, you know, Dustin and Jason Williams there, 
Uh, they'll go back on, especially at Savage races and play on the obstacles and, and try to do them in as few moves as possible and have like mini races. So it's another, another great option. Uh, Miranda, you mentioned that I said three things during the uh, balance beam video. What were the, what were the three things? Just out of curiosity. I can't remember. That's what I was okay. trying to get you to remember. Uh, sorry. All right. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, yeah. I'll share it to the strength and speed uh, Facebook page when this podcast posts, and then you can go, you can go watch the old balance beam video, but I'm assuming it's something about specificity. Um, yes. Doing the obstacle uh, that um, it's ex- like as close to the actual obstacle as possible. I'm assuming it's something about uh, progressive as in it should get harder as you get better. Yep. Um, and then if I know myself, I probably said something about enjoyable. Did I use that one or no? Yep. Those were the three. Oh, good. Yeah. Well, that's like my, my three basic <laughs> stuff for, for improving obstacle proficiency or just fitness in general. Right. Um, and in, enjoyable because the more you enjoy it, the better, the more effort you'll put into it. Right. Um, example, I don't like CrossFit, but CrossFit is a great, uh, high intensity exercise. If you, you know, as long as you do it uh, safely with good form, but I just don't enjoy it. So I'm not going to put in as much effort as in, you know, me doing, working on just obstacles or um, doing some endurance run training or something like that. So, you know, I think, in, and if, and if you want to have, if you want to improve over the long term, you have to find something you enjoy. Otherwise you're not going to stick with it. You know, um, you're only going to do it for a little bit and then, then drop off. All right. Now I think I'm, I know the answer. To the next question because I have two females who are good at Pegatron on here, you know. But do you think the male and female obstacles should be the same? Should it be gender neutral across the board, or should there be uh, male and female lanes? Uh, we'll start off with Miranda. Um, so I, I would say the most frustrating thing about when they don't have gender specific like lanes is um, for me, I'm not very fast. Uh, I'm very obstacle proficient, which is the reason I'm able to get on the podium so often. Um, But it really sucks when I come up to an obstacle and there's like a 10 minute wait in line to try for the first time because there's all these guys that got there before me. So that can be a little frustrating if there's not a women's lane. So I'm not necessarily for or against like making obstacles easier for women. Um, But I think it is helpful to either, if you're not going to stagger the elite wave for the men and women, which can still cause problems. um, It's nice to have a designated lane for the women. That way we're all kind of in the same boat and you're not stuck behind a bunch of guys that aren't. And especially by the time I get there, like, okay, these guys that are, standing in line in front of me are in like 20th place. Like they're not going to win money, but I could get there like in third place. And if I pick the wrong lane, I could wait, you know, two minutes longer than the girl next to me. So to me, that's the most frustrating. Um, so, so that's my opinion on that. Other than like something that might have to do with height. And it's kind of hard for me to make an example. Um, But yeah, if there was something that could be like height-based or jumping-based or something. Okay, so I will say an example, like smooth criminal is really hard for me. I really am not good at jumping. I'm I'm not tall. So 
it would be beneficial, I think, if there was a female lane for that, just because women generally are not as tall as men. So I think that it, you could make it further apart for the men's field, and they wouldn't have a problem with it. But if you made it too far apart, the women would struggle a lot more. Ah, that was that was a good answer. Not what I was expecting, but good. I like it. <laughs> yeah, some definitely some good points there. And you know, I think if you're an elite female and you're running up, like you said, to the one of those rigs. I think for the most part, if you let people know that you're, you know, top five or, you know, top seven, whatever, uh, female, uh, I think a lot of guys will just let you go ahead for the first time. Um, it, uh, yeah, I'm not a guarantee, but I, I, I know a lot of the guys who uh, typically finish like in the 10th to 20th range at CTG, you know, sometimes actually like, you know, I've heard them like ask to clear a path for a female. So. Uh, it's, it's always an option and you can always ask. Um, and, uh, yeah. Um, sometimes that happens and sometimes it doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I mean, you would, you would know better, uh, cause I'm a little bit, I'm usually a little bit farther ahead, but, um, it's very like scenario specific. Yeah. Like yeah. I've had guys do that for me on Pegatron when there's, you know, there's like 10 lanes so if there's like a bunch of guys in line in front of me and I say that I'm like hey I'm like top three female they let me go in front but if the example I was thinking of with waiting in line for a long time was at one of the rigs in the in the uh, Oklahoma race recently um, there were a ton of people waiting there and really all the girls got lumped up there too so it really wouldn't even be fair for you to skip the line at that point gotcha Gotcha. Jenny, anything to add to that? Um, I would agree for the most part. Uh, my biggest thing is, is the height factor that Miranda kind of mentioned. Um, I'm totally okay with honestly everything being the same except for that factor. I just, you know, there are some things like smooth criminal is an issue for me because um, I just don't have the same length <laughs> as, you know, a six foot man's going to have or, or, any woman I guess or any anyone that that is that tall um so that's like the main thing as far as if we're just talking like Pegatron or rigs like I'm fine with everything being the same I feel like grip strength and technique on those can be trained and can be learned um again the height thing is one thing <laughs> that I just like I can't make myself grow anymore <laughs> so <laughs> yeah so yeah, that's kind of my opinion. Good point. Yeah, I know I've seen like Doug, who's significantly taller than me, go across Smooth Criminal, and yeah, I think he can essentially step on both, uh, like the big ones, you know, bridge the gap, and then just kind of like lean over and and grab the pipe, and then continue on. Uh, yeah. Versus, you know, and I, I'm only, I probably only a couple inches shorter than him, but I, I feel like I cannot do that. I feel like I have to make a leap. Um, so, yeah. and, and then if you're a couple inches shorter than me, then you're definitely, you know, you're definitely throwing yourself yeah. at the side pretty hard. Yeah. How tall are you, Evan? I'm five, six. Okay. Yeah. I'm five, two. So yeah, even more. Like, yeah. It's, it's a Miranda, challenge for sure. Miranda, how tall are you? I'm five, four, right in the middle of you Okay. Two. Yeah. Uh, but Evan, I, I know you didn't go to the last three Conquer the Gauntlets and Smooth Criminal actually like all of the steps were closer than previous years. Ah, that yeah. is nice. So I was able to straddle like all of the stepping stones, like even the first two big boards. Oh, um, nice. And then just take like a small leap. 
So the last time uh, I did a smooth curve at all, I, you know, I, I bound through on the first one when it was like mostly dry. And then on the next lap I'm coming through and now everything's wet and I don't realize it. And I bound off the first three small steps. And when I went for the big one, I just like went full force into the side and I walked away with this like huge black and blue on my thigh. And like my, my wife was watching and she was like, Oh my, like, you know, I I hit the, (laughs) I hit the side, I fall over and I'm just like laying there for a second. She's like, Oh, we're gonna have to go to the hospital. And I'm like, "Ah, let me just walk it off for a second. But no, I got three more laps to do. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Let's, let's talk about their new obstacle. So pay the piper. Uh, So I have not got the, got to experience it yet. So uh, Miranda, can you take us through pay the piper, what it looks like? Um, So if you've ever been to a children's playground to paint a picture, it's, uh, you know, it's, it has a pole in the middle. A lot of the times at the playground, it'll be like a a rope or something. So it'll be stationary at the top and at the bottom, but it can kind of move a little bit. Um, Pay the Piper in the race is on a like steel beam. And then there's a disc at the bottom and then it's just kind of like stepping stones. So you, you step across from disc to disc, and then there's the pole in the middle that you can grab onto. And the obstacle does go like up and then down. So you do have to take like a big step up to get onto each of the sequential stepping stones. Um, luckily for me, I have a daughter. So I've been practicing that obstacle for the last you know two years or so that she's been active. Nice. <clears throat> Well, that's cool. I, I like how it's something different and not just another uh, grip strength obstacle. Um, so it's, it's something a little bit, a little technique based, a little bit awkward. Um, you know, it's not just something different. And I kind of like that how Conquer the Gauntlet will stress, you know, balance and, you know, with multiple fairly difficult balance ones and then grip strength and then uh, a little bit of heavy carry. It's just, uh, really creating a well-rounded athlete. And when they had the uh, crank it up, uh, that kind of, favored the strength athlete. I know Jay Flores uh, was, went from like close, you know, close to first on Bryce at Tulsa one year to like way behind <laughs> because the, the weight of uh, crank it up was just real heavy. All right, let's jump into other races we've done this year. So I know uh, Jenny's been to a couple, so I know you've been to wicked trail race, Kansas city, and then also Casey timber challenge. So Jenny, uh, take us through Wicked Trail Race, Kansas City. Yeah, so Wicked Trail Race was a it was a fun event. Um, it was local here in Olathe, Kansas, just outside of Kansas City. So nice and close for me. That's where I work and live. Um, out at a local park there, they did a 5K, a 10K, and then a three-hour enduro option. Um, so a couple different options for people and. I think he typically does those um, with some natural obstacles like ravines that you have to crawl up and creek creeks that you run through and things like that. But he wasn't able to do that in the location that we were at. So it was essentially just a whole bunch of hills. Um, but it was, a, it was a lot of fun. Not a huge turnout. Um, I think that in all of the races that we've done so far this year, the, the turnout has just been a little bit smaller. So, um, but it was still, still a fun event and a good one to go to, I think. Cool. Yeah, that, and that's what I, you know, the smaller turnout is what I, I worry about, you know, where brands are used to making, you know, 
X amount of dollars and now they're making half of X amount of dollars and they're like, well, you know, why am I doing this for essentially half of the paycheck I used to get? Yeah. Uh, yeah. that, that's, that's where I worry about uh, the future of some of these races. So, you know, I think if there's a race, if there's a race on the calendar and they're saying they're putting it on, then I, I feel confident, you know, paying and signing up for it. But, you know, if, if we want races to be around in another year, I think it's important that not only you go, but you, you grab as many of your friends as you can. Yeah, I totally agree. I've actually even just signed up for some that I'm not even sure if I'm willing to be able to do just to try to support some races. Yeah. Um, so speaking of supporting races, one of the, uh, one of the ones I've gotten to do multiple times this year, I've actually done all of the ones they've offered is Casey timber challenge. And I know you've been to, I think three or out of the four this year. So what, what was your, what did you think of the uh, final event of the year, extreme timber challenge, which was an OCR world championships qualifier and their first uh, OCR world championships qualifier. Would you, would you think? Oh yeah, it was, it was great. Um, you know, they always do a great job. Um, their trails themselves are a lot of fun. The obstacles improve every year and they do a great job of marking everything and just keeping everybody aware of what's going on. The volunteers do a pretty good job of monitoring everything. So as far as like the elite heat goes, it, w- it was a lot of fun. Um, again, smaller turnout than usual, but like we just talked about, that's kind of the norm right now, but, but it was still a decent, decent race, I think. And everyone had a ton of fun. So yeah. Yeah. You know, I've done their course four times this year and I've, you'd think I'd be burnt out by it, but I'm actually, the more times I do it, I feel like the more it feels like home and the mm-hmm. more I get excited to go back. Cause it's, again, it's, it's, it's like my home, my home race. Um, so, yeah. and it's been fun. I, Even with the four races they've done this year, they all had such different feelings. I was legitimately very surprised, right? Like the, so they do the winter one, the Yeti, which is in snow. It was the end of OCR America for me. So that was, that was awesome. Um, then they did the wild women's timber challenge, right? The all female one. Yep. Which we talked about on the podcast before, I believe they do the family timber challenge. So it was a two mile version of their event, but they still have a lot of the good obstacles. And I took my uh, five-year-old daughter on and then the extreme timber challenge is basically all the trails, all the obstacles. So yeah, yeah. it's a, it's a, it's a great, great venue and a uh, great obstacles and um, a, like I said, the more times I go back, the more I'm enjoying it. So I highly Is that encourage. the one with the zip line? Yeah, it's yep. with the zip line. Yep. You got to come up for That's it. That's what stands out to me. I know. I'm like, I want to do an OCR with a zip line. Yeah, yeah. it's so fun. <laughs> and it works out It works out really well because it's late late enough in the race where um, – I don't know about when you get there, Jenny, but when I when I get there, there's usually there's no line. I just, no, uh-uh. yeah. So, yeah, it, it works out. You got to come up, Miranda, because we got two two. Pla- I'm offering Jenny's place up to stay, but <laughs> you have two yeah. places you can stay here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you do. Just gonna just offer it up for you. But I have a guest room also. Anyway, uh, Miranda, you got to go to one of the Savage races post quarantine. So what was what was that like? Uh, so it felt pretty normal, other than the same point that you guys have hit on with the with just less people being there. Um, other than that, it really didn't feel that different. They did have like mandatory masks um, in the festival area, like if you couldn't social distance. But I hardly saw anybody like actually wearing one. Um, 
So I think people were wearing them on the way in. And then it seems like as soon as they went into the festival area and were hanging out with their friends, they were just like pulling them down. So honestly, that was a little, I mean, I'm not really, I don't know. I feel conflicted about that whole thing. So I'm not really going to talk about it. Um, (laughs) But other than that, I mean, it felt pretty normal. The race, I mean, they had just, I guess they, they were missing like Davy Jones I think they had all their other like normal obstacles that they would so it didn't feel like it didn't feel like a quarantine race gotcha cool now you know maybe this is not the best question for the two of you because you've actually gotten to race a couple times this year each of you you know so how have you been dealing with uh 2020 in general just like the you know a lot of the unknowns where we don't know if this race is going or not you know you you, you know maybe you know, there's a period, especially March, April, May, where like pretty much everything was canceled. Um, just, you know, let's start off with Jenny. Like, how have you been in- mentally or emotionally dealing with that, in, you know, in your training? Um, as far as training goes, I think that, um, well, I'm running a lot more than, <laughs> than I used to. That's just kind of been my um, way to stay sane. So just putting in a lot more miles and getting out on trails a lot more than I used to. Um, I think before is just always time-wise just easier to, you know, jump on the road. And now I'm um, actually like dra- driving out and finding new trails to explore and spend some time on. So that's been fun. Um, and then as far as like, like you mentioned, I've done some races, but I will say that I've kind of struggled over the last two months or so and that I want to do everything (laughs) because nothing has been available and it's been a challenge to not just sign up and want to race every everything that is possible (laughs) so um just trying to hold back a little bit from that but um getting getting some races in that I can anyway gotcha Miranda any uh what about you um I haven't had as much of the same reluctant feeling to sign up for races. So I think (laughs) (laughs) uh, by the time October is over, I will have done um, like seven races or like five races out of seven weekends or something. So it's pretty hectic. I will say during quarantine, I had the same thing. Like I just started running more. Um, So it was kind of nice because normally in the – like, I really don't like to run in the cold or really in the hot. So I don't run very much in the winter or the summer. Um, but unfortunately, that means that, like, most of my running happen in, happens in the spring, the fall, which is race season. So the problem with that is this happening, like, five races out of seven weekends isn't uncommon for the spring and fall. So it makes it really hard to actually train because, like today, my legs are super sore from running continuum on Saturday. My legs will still be sore tomorrow. I have another race weekend this Saturday, so I might be able to run on Wednesday and then maybe do like something super light on Thursday and then nothing on Friday because it'll be pre-race day. So that's kind of the struggle that I get in during like actual race season is I'm like constantly just in recovery mode or taper. I mean, there's like no in between, you know, like I said, I get Wednesday to do like a full run, but that's not even like a fast pace, anything like it's just going to be a six mile slow, easy. So 
Yeah. So essentially um, you need to build your fitness in the off season and then just with the amount you're racing, basically just coast it, you know, try to ride that wave as long as you can. <laughs> yeah. Sense. So that was actually nice about this year. Like not having the races in the spring gave me the time to build up that like running mileage that I need needed. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. The, you know, the, the, some of the races getting canceled was frustrating for me. What's frustrating now is my work has a bunch of additional restrictions. So just because there are races, like I couldn't go to Dallas this weekend because work was like, you can't, you can't go to Dallas. That's too far away. Like you'll get, you'll get COVID immediately. And I'm like, of course I will. So that, that, that's been very frustrating, especially, you know, when there was no races going on, I obviously it didn't bother me. So I was like, all right, well, there's no races, but now that there are races occurring again in the Midwest, I find it very frustrating. Um, but I think, you know, in general, you know, people are like, oh, 2020 sucks. And for OCR, 2020 does suck because a lot of the races do get canceled. But, you know, I think you just focus on something else. So, um, you know, I've been working on some other projects around the house and spend time with my family and stuff like that. So um, I, don't think, I don't think 2020 sucks. I think it sucks for OCR. But, you know, if, if you think it sucks, you know, maybe – Maybe you just have a bad attitude. That's, that's generally my, my opinion on things. So. Conquer the Gauntlet is my main resource anyways, so I don't feel like I lost out on like that many races. That's a good point. That's a very good point. And um, sometimes I do Savage Race Maryland, but those have two events there, but both of those conflicted with Conquer the Gauntlet this year, so I wasn't going to do those anyways. Gotcha. So speaking of you... Like we mentioned in the beginning of the podcast, your new addition to the Conquer the Gauntlet pro team. So what did, you know, I think other people that may want to go that route, whether it be Conquer the Gauntlet or Spartan, or, you know, maybe they have a, a local brand that has a pro team or their, their gym might have a, a pro team or something similar, right? Like some organizational team that they want to get a part of, you know, what, I would say, what did you do to get on the team um, or like draw attention to yourself, I guess it would, it would be the, the term. So I'll just kind of let you take it for a minute, Miranda. <laughs> uh, so I think there's a couple pieces to it. Um, I think one is like socializing with the team members. I think you have to have good rapport and like be a good person, which maybe isn't, that's kind of an obvious thing, but like if you're talking trash at races all the time or something or to people or just complaining, like nobody's going to want you on their team if you're, you're not a nice person to be around. Um, but if you have that problem, I don't know. I, yeah. <laughs> There's nothing. That's a personality problem. You'll, you'll have to deal with that. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I probably shouldn't have brought that up. Um, but socializing with the team members, I mean, I think you want to get good rapport with the team that you're interested in joining. So I became friends with people on the team um, because I, I've been interested in the pro team for a long time. And um, so, yeah, that was like step one for me is like get on the inside, you know, be friends with the people that are like voting people into the team. Um, obviously, the next important piece is like doing well. So you have to improve. Um, if you're not already doing well and find ways to do that. So for me, I'm really not a great runner. Um, so I did previous years, I focused on the obstacles and just by being able to complete all the obstacles that was able to get me in that top three a couple times. 
But in order to continue to do that as the sport grows, I have to get faster. I mean, the, the people that I'm competing against, it's just, it's common nature. I mean, if people are going to start uh, training harder to do better, everybody wants to be in this, those top spots. So that was nice. Like I said about quarantine this year, I was able to focus more on my running. So I was kind of grateful to have that that time to spend to focus on. Um, I like reset all new PRs this year for everything like 5K, 10K, half marathon. Like all of my PRs were made this year, like of all time. So that was something I really focused on this year was getting faster. Um, and then work, work on your weaknesses. So previously, something I had trouble with was the transition from obstacles to running. I would take, you know, 10 to 40 seconds walking up to an obstacle, like taking my time, catching my breath. And the top elites don't do that. They jump on the obstacle, they jump off, they keep going. So that was something I also have really focused on over the last year to get better at to help with my placement. So socialize with the team, you know, and, and know what you want. I mean, if you pick a team and that's who you want to be a part of, don't, I would say like, stay focused. Um, yeah. This was always like my end goal to be on conquer the gauntlet pro team. Um, so don't, don't let other teams that you're not. And, and maybe it's, I don't know. I mean, I did do that. I joined Team Valhalla for a little while, but I knew that, like, in the end, I did want to become a part of Conquer the Gauntlet. So I knew that was just kind of a stepping stone. Um, so just, like, keep your eyes open for the opportunities that you're looking for. Yeah. No, absolutely good advice. And I know, like, when Jay Flores wanted to get on the team, he's like, all right, I'm – I'm going to every Conquer the Gauntlet this year. And it was like, that's, that's a pretty good plan. Because <laughs> he ended yeah. up getting on the podium at like, I, mean, I don't think he got on everyone, but he almost got on every podium. And then, like at the end of the year, it was like, yeah, uh, I'm pretty sure Jay should be on the team. Because yeah. he's literally on every podium. So yeah, uh, very good. Of all, that, all that is great advice. And, you know, I don't think there's anything wrong with, um, yeah, I think some people might think that it sounds negative to say, you know, using one team as a stepping stone, but I think that's, that's normal. I, I don't, I don't think there's anything wrong with that, right? Like if someone from the conquer the gauntlet team started racing Spartan and doing re really well there and Spartan offered them a better contract, I wouldn't be like, Oh, you traitor. I'd be like, yeah, better contract. Like, good. <laughs> like th that's, that's good for you as an athlete. You know, um, I, I try to, you know, with this podcast and with strength and speed and conquer the gauntlet, you know, I try to help empower athletes and uh, which is one of the reasons we typically don't, I, I've broken the rule a couple of times. So, um, but I, I try not to bring race directors on the podcast too often. I try to focus on the athletes uh, that are helping represent the band, the brand. So I'm, I'm trying to empower the athlete. So the race director puts more trust in them. So they, they increase their value um, again, which is one of the reasons I try to do athletes that represent brands versus the brands themselves. Plus you get the athlete perspective versus, um, getting the, whatever their, the, the brand's pitch is going out. So, <laughs> all right, let's start wrapping it up again. Cause it's late and, uh, I'm supposed to be in bed right now. So, uh, before we go, uh, we're going to do our usual question. Tell us one thing people would be surprised to know about you. I know Jenny's excited because she used her cheerleading one already. 
So she's got to come up with something else good. <laughs> That's my best one. <laughs> That's a really good one. That's a really good one. It's not as good as uh, when we had Kelly uh, Williams on and she told me she used to be a character at Disney World. That's been the best. That's been That's my favorite cool one. Too. Yeah. I was really excited about that. All right. Who wants to go first? Silence. I'll go. All right. <laughs> <laughs> um, so when I was younger, I had trouble committing to sports. So I tried a lot of different sports out there. So one thing that I did was I took figure skating lessons. Oh, interesting. Are you, can you skate still? Or like, are you good? Or, or is it like, <laughs> yeah, is it I like, should clarify. Yeah. So I did take lessons, but I could never like, you know, do the jumps or anything. So I can figure skate still. I'm a good figure skater. Um, or I should say like decent, like, I don't want to get your hopes too high up there. Um, like I can skate backwards, but, um, yeah, I can't like do a jump or anything okay. fancy nowadays. But I mean, if we went to the skating ring, people, people would be like, Oh, she knows what she's doing. Um, yeah, I yeah. would probably not fall down. <laughs> so well, I'm going to dovetail off that for a second. I had a male, one of my college roommates. Um, I don't know if he took figure skating, but like, he knew how to do like basic figure skating moves. And like in freshman year of college, it was like me and one of my other friends who used to play hockey went to the skating rink. And like, you know, my friend who plays hockey is like skating around aggressively like a hockey player would. And my other friend skating around like a figure skater. And it was like, dude, what is going on right now? I'm like stumbling around the ice, but, but yeah, it was pretty funny seeing a, um, so it's a lot funnier seeing a male figure skate who's, um, you know, not part of that world. But anyway, yeah. Jenny, what do you got? All right. I just thought of one. <laughs> you guys might know this, Miranda, you probably don't, but I have actually um, really severe hearing loss. So like I wear hearing aids. I take them out when I race, obviously, because hearing aids are expensive and I don't want to ruin them. But um, yeah, I'm like partially deaf. So no sometimes way. like if we're out of race, this? How You've never noticed. I, uh, I got I, uh, never if noticed. If I see you out, if I see you like outside of racing, I or if we're like not doing a workout or something, I probably have my hearing aids in, so you probably wouldn't even notice. But if I when I take them out when I'm getting ready to race, like I can't really hear anything, and it makes um, some races a little bit more challenging than others when I don't know what I'm supposed to do, and and volunteers are trying to tell me, and I'm like, you have to yell louder. Because, <laughs> um, yeah, so oh, it's kind of interesting. Yeah, is it in both ears? Yeah, I didn't or just know that. One? Yeah, it's both ears. Yeah, oh. yeah. So, anyone out there, if you ever say something to me and I don't respond, I it's not because I'm not nice, <laughs> I did not hear you. So. Interesting. So, I yeah. think I, I think I did. I, I, I really should start keeping a list of things I've, I've said on the podcast. Uh, I'm losing hearing in my left ear. Um, I think it's from shooting guns, um, yeah. and getting blown up once or twice. I think that's what it's from. They, that they, happens. Yeah. They, they were <laughs> like, Oh, I think it's something, you know, having to do with the, the thickness of the bone in your ear. And I was like, what, why is it only in one ear? And they're like, Oh, well you haven't, you haven't shot guns recently. So it's probably not that I, I'm, I'm like pretty sure it's from shooting guns. Um, yeah. So I, I can feel it. Now that they pointed it out, it drives me crazy because now I notice it versus the last like two years, I haven't noticed it at all until the doctor pointed it out. So, 
Um, yeah. That's my connection. I don't really have anything else good. Uh, <laughs> You're not right. going to include a fun fact. You do a podcast too often. I do. Um, so, I, like I said, I, I get into, on previous podcasts, I say I get into kicks where, like, I'll find a subject that I find interesting and, like, dive deep into it until I literally hit the bottom. Um, you like know, Bigfoot? Like Bigfoot, right? Um, <laughs> or gladiators. So my recent obsession has been, um, because Halloween was coming up, I started uh, going into Hellraiser, the, the Hellraiser uh, universe, right? So there's the four theatrical releases, and there's another six movies that went straight to video. The majority of them are terrible. Big surprise. So I watched, over the last couple of weeks, I've watched all 10 movies. I've read essentially every Hellraiser comic that you can find on uh, uh, Amazon. They have Comixology where you can do digital comics. It's really good. And then I had a bunch of, when I, from, I was a kid, that I had my dad send me over. And then I re-listened to The Hellbound Heart, which is what the Hellraiser book is based on. Or, I'm sorry, the movie's based on it. It's based on a book. And then Scarlet Gospels, which is the sequel and the cool part about, well, I think it's cool. Um, the cool part about the sequel, The Scholar Gospels, is heavily, it's heavily based on Christianity, um, which was very surprising because obviously Hellraiser is the opposite side of the spectrum, right? Uh, but they, they, they use a lot of uh, theological things from Christianity about, you know, Lucifer being an angel who's fallen. And the reason he's so angry all the time is essentially because he's separated from God's love. Um, so the, the, the book Scarlet Gospels, I really wish they would turn into a movie because it is so, it was really, really good. Um, and then the, the comic book, uh, the Hellraiser Omnibus, uh, it's just a collection of all their comics, was really good also. Like, it's, it's way, way better than the movies. Like, the movies don't even come close to how good the, the book is and how good the comic series is. Because essentially Pinhead is, um, well, one, it's not pins, it's nails in his head but it's a crown. It's not, it, it, it's not a, like the pinhead is not unique to a person. It's essentially the hell priest. That's who, who has all the uh, nails stuck in his head. So it actually changes character several times in the book. So that's my, that's my recent kick. Um, if anyone, anyone likes horror movies, I have like the Hellraiser box, you know, the, the actual like box that opens the gates, right. Uh, it moves around and stuff. So random stuff. Yeah. Interesting. Any horror fans? No, Miranda, Jenny, you don't seem like horror um, fans. No, not even a little bit. Sorry. Even a little bit. <laughs> I I do kind of like horror movies. I definitely did more so when I was younger. Um, but I, I don't really like older movies. So Hellraiser would probably be one I wouldn't really be that interested in watching. I only I only do nineties horror, like eighties, nineties horror, <laughs> maybe early two thousands. But like if it's if it, if they started the series after two thousand five, I've got literally no interest not even remotely interested so all the modern stuff i don't i don't know yeah they are anything. different anything what's, remotely scary you can't do it so. what's what's cool about hellraiser is they they still use real uh effects so they don't use computer generated so that it's like all makeup and uh i mean it it's hyper violent right like i mean the movies are are not good christian movies at all um, you know, it's just uh, full of sex and people getting literally ripped apart by chains. Um, the last one, the 10th one, straight to video, and the ninth one were really, really violent. But, yeah, interesting. All right. That about wraps it up. Before we go, any final shout-outs you want to give? Uh, we'll start off with Jenny. 
friends, family, sponsors, et cetera? Um, all of our pro team sponsors, they're all amazing and keep supporting us, even though we're not able to race like we normally would be. So every one of them. All right, Miranda, what do you got? Um, so as a new member to the CTG pro team, I'm kind of waiting for sponsors to provide things. Um, but I did want to call out rock tape specifically because they, you know, provided the, the team with additional gear this year. So there were things that I was able to jump in on. So the, the rock sauce stuff has been great for my sore muscles over the last couple of days since the continuum race. So yeah, I've been super, super grateful to have those. Awesome. And we have Blegmitz lights and extreme in the, uh, Team Strength Speed Store. So uh, if anyone needs those, you can head over and pick those up. We're not ordering any more before uh, 2021. So once the current stock is gone, that's it. So if you're looking to get them for Toughest Mud or Virtual World Toughest or just cold winter running, I know I saw Jenny post a pic, what was it, uh, yesterday or today or something, running in the Blegmit lights. Oh, yeah, I love this. Thing. Those yeah. are a cold weather necessity for me. So. Yeah. So uh, we have those in the store. Also, my books are in the store. Uh, Conquer the Gauntlet Pro Team Workouts to Go is available now on Amazon. And I know the last podcast recording, I did a Q&A one. Uh, William Shell posted a whole bunch of more good questions. I'm going to get to that again, probably in another two episodes, because I figured people don't want to hear me just run my mouth by myself. Uh, for multiple episodes in a row. So we'll, we'll get to that. We are going to get to those because, again, I, th I think they're really good. But, yeah, I think that about wraps it up. Other than that, check Mud Run Guide. I'm publishing – I'm still writing articles for them on a weekly basis. So I know I just posted a couple of highlight reviews, a couple of their different pairs of shorts, and then uh, Squirrel's Nut Butter Review and Rock Sauce Review is coming up soon. And then I've also got one about um, – uh, Jay Flores has a YouTube video slash Instagram live series called changing the game. So you definitely want to check that out. He takes uh, science, technology, engineering, math, so STEM related topics, and he dives deep into them uh, in the world of fitness where they have crossover points, right? So he did, he did one for rapid reboot since those compression pants. Uh, he did one, or he's going to do one for UFOs. Uh, he did one with Michelle Warnke where they're talking about designing obstacles and kind of that one's really good because they talk about like the next level of where, you know, they could see Ninja Warrior going with like, you know, more mechanical based obstacles or obstacles that kind of reset themselves uh, without human assistance. Because right now, whenever they do an obstacle, a human has to come in and reset it before each run, um, which could speed up the number of athletes they get through and on a smaller scale would allow for, you know, a much faster uh runs for people where the, if the obstacles just automatically reset themselves. So kind of some cool concepts in there. And then on top of that, uh, another article publishing about Amy Padgett. So if you don't know, Amy Padgett actually has written several children's books. So it is dogs go to Montana and cats, Oh, dogs retire to Montana and cats retire to Arizona. So Amy Padgett is a vet and she wrote a children's book for what happens when your dog uh, passes so, um, and then one for cats also. And then if you are, don't have children or don't have nieces or nephews, you want to buy them for, she also has another book that is not a children's book. It's called Cats Go to Hell. So <laughs> I think some people may like that. 
And all three of her books are available off the uh, CTG Protein website. So if you go to ctgprotein.com and head over to the store, uh, you can pick up the books there and Amy will sign them for you. She writes under a pen name. So I think it's Dr. Is it Dr. Jones? And when I say that, I think Indiana Jones. I'm pretty sure it's Dr. Jones. But yeah, so you can check that out and uh, read the article when it comes out. All right, that's it. Let's, uh, let's stop talking so we can all go to bed separately, <laughs> different houses. <laughs> I don't, I, Sounds good. Why? We're not that close as a team. <laughs> all right. Uh, we'll catch all of you later. All right. All right. Thanks. Bye. Thanks, Evan.